Thanks for downloading the RCF podcast. You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Felix Gilbert, in week six of our current series, Impact. This week's message is titled, The Necessity of Prayer for Impact. Go with me in your Bibles. Let's go straight to work. I just want to to share something that's heavy on my heart, and um, we're going to be there for a little bit as we kind of talk through this some. To allow God just to move and to be God in our midst. Go with me to Mark. Mark chapter 9. And jump down to verse 29. Mark 9 and 29. And when you get there, let me hear you by saying amen. Amen. Mark 9 and 29. I just want to read one verse. And then we're going to back up to verse 14. And work our way through the passage that's in front of us. That the good Lord would move and have his way. Verse 20, let me back up to verse 28. Verse 28 says it's like this. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, This kind can, only, can come out only by prayer. Verse 29, he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Turn to the real quick and say, neighbor, this kind takes a lot of prayer. Turn to the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor, this kind takes a lot of prayer. Amen. Let us go to God for a word of prayer, then we're going to talk. Father, we thank you for you. You are an awesome God. You are a wonderful, you are a gracious magnificent, mighty God. So Holy Spirit, as we share your word this morning, open our hearts to hear, to receive, to be in tune, to just align with you, God. So we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are, Lord, as I stand to share your word. Bring to remembrance the things that have been deposited. Bring to remembrance the things that have been placed there so we can have community impact, Lord. So we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the worship experience. Thank you for just allowing us the chance just to come and worship and praise and glorify you. So every person that's visiting, we don't take lightly that they came to worship with us this morning. We really appreciate that. Open our hearts to hear afresh, to be in tuned afresh so we can be all about you. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. 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 Now, by way of um, introduction, let me just kind of say this this way. One of the things that I'm learning about being a Christian is the longer we are saved, the more comfortable we become with God. Anybody agree? Yeah, anybody agree with that? Um, Kitani and I have been married 33 years, and I don't say good morning as much as I used to. Oh, don't act like y'all just say good morning. Oh, good morning, booby. No, you don't. Yeah, the longer, the longer we stay married, you just roll over like, uh, and just, <laughs> and go on about your business. The sad commentary is, that is also true of our relationship with God. Come on, y'all. The longer we're saved, the more we're in this journey, the more complacent we become with the things of God, and we start, we stop depending on Him as much as we used to, and we start relying on ourselves more. Are you with me? There's a danger in that. And I want to kind of address that and talk about that this morning. I mean, for those, and we're talking about impact. So those of us or those of you that have spiritual gifts or gifts or talents and or ability, 
when you first acknowledge the call or you first realize that God had something for you, unique for us to do, before we ever engage in that thing, we would always spend time praying to God for the power from God to do what God wants us done. But it seems that the longer we stay saved and the more God tarries, the longer it takes for him to come, the more comfortable we become in ourselves. And the danger in that is when people see us in ministry, they encounter us and not God. Are you with me? There used to be a time where if you had the gift of prophecy, let me just go here. Let's say you had the gift of prophecy, for example. Um, you, the, the, earlier in your ministry, when you first discovered this gift, I'm willing to say that there were times when you'd pray to God and say, God, do you want me to release this word? Do you want me to say this? Do you want me to whatever? But then the more you become, the, the longer you walk with God, go, it's almost as if as soon as you get the unction, you just want to blurt out and say what's on your heart or on your mind without first consulting God. Okay? I mean, come on, let's just be honest here. You know, there used to be a time, let's say you could sing, for example, when they would ask you to sing a song, here would be the initial response. Let me pray to God to see what God wants me to do, and I will sing what God wants me to sing. The longer you're saved, the moment they ask you to sing, I've been waiting for my turn. <laughs> come on, y'all, are you with me? And, and flesh starts to come out more and more and more and more. And the problem with that, though, is that the likelihood of us not having impact or the likelihood of failure happening is very, very high because we minister out of the flesh and people see the flesh more than they see God. Can, can, can we identify with that? I mean, it's, it's the same thing for those of us that preach or teach. There'd be a time, used to be a time when somebody would ask you to preach or teach and you'd go in the closet and you wouldn't come out until God says so. But nowadays if somebody asks you to preach, especially if you've been preaching for a while, you say yes real quick because you got a file. That means you've been preaching for a while, so you got this one favorite sermon that they need to hear. Oh, come on, y'all. Don't... I don't even pray about it because this one will kill them right here, you know. And because, and, 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 you know, you got the right rhyme and you got the right rhythms and you got the right work and you just, this one feels good. Come on. And, and, and when we go out to do it, people encounter us and they don't encounter God. Well, the, the, text, the text in front of us, this is the same problem that Jesus's, let me just say, nine of his disciples encountered they got very comfortable in themselves because they were used to the gift working. They were used to the gifts flowing. They were used to having ministry impact. And then all of a sudden, they realized or they forgot that the only way they were able to have impact was because God was working through them, not them working in themselves. So at the time of our text, they, these disciples find themselves in a predicament and, and they risk messing up everything that God wants done because they forgot who was the source of the gift that they had. So look at the text with me. Back up to verse 14. Let me kind of walk through this and we'll just kind of go a few verses at a time. Then I'll kind of narrate and tell you what's going on. Verse 14 opens up by saying, when they came, and I'm going to talk about who the they were in a little while. When they came to the other disciples, a large crowd, they saw a large crowd around them, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. This is heavy. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. 
What are you arguing about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that he has, that has robbed him of his speech. Verse 18 says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth, he becomes rigid, and I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Problem. My problem today, your problem today. Because I think all of us in here that have accepted Christ in our life as Lord and Savior would consider ourselves disciples of Christ. And the question is, could we, if this man had brought his son to us, drive the demon out? That's the issue. Come on, are you with me? So here it is. Let me tell you what's going on. Jesus comes from where he comes from. And I'll talk about this in a little while. He shows up. And his disciples are in a place where they're arguing with this large crowd. They're arguing with the, the scribes. Um, these are the teachers of the law. And so Jesus shows up with um, Peter, James, and John. We'll kind of hit those in a little while. And he sees this, this, this commotion going on. And he asks, hey, what's happening? What's going on? And so somebody in the crowd speaks up. Here's the problem, Jesus. I have a son who has a mute spirit. In other words, his speech has been impeded because of the spirit that's in him. So I brought him to your disciples, and listen to me carefully, because in the past, I noticed that they had an ability to deal with this type of stuff. So I brought him to them, and they couldn't do it. Now, if I'm you... I'm wondering what this argument is all about. Are you with me? Come on. I mean, if I'm a scribe and, 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 and I'm watching the disciples say, come out of him in the name of Jesus, and the demon looks at them like, when you're done, let me know. <laughs> come on, are you with me? Then the scribes, if I'm the scribe, here's the scribe. You are nothing but a bunch of phonies. You're nothing but a bunch of fake. This Jesus thing isn't real because if you're naming the name of Jesus and Jesus truly is the Messiah and you encounter a demon, that demon ought to be gone. And here's the disciples. Yes, we are Christians. Yes, we are followers of God. Yes, we do have the authority. Yes, we do have power. Yes, that demon ought to come out. Watch this. Demon, come out. And the demon says, when you get done, let me know. Okay. At this point in time, if I were to connect this to the day, the church is looking bad. I'm looking bad. You're looking bad because the demon is not moving. Are you with me? Let me get ahead of myself. The problem with the church today is that we're telling demons to come out and the demons are looking at us like, who are you? And, and we're supposed to have impact, but we're not having the impact that we should have. And, and, and so the world is arguing with us. Here is how the world says it today, in, in, like the way the scribes were saying it to the disciples of that day. Nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. All you're doing is having good church. You're not having impact. People are still demon-possessed. People are still locked up. They're still bound up. They're still going through what they're going through. Matter of fact, look at your own life. You can't even deal with the demons in your own homes. For the record, I'm speaking to myself too. All right, can we be honest here? 
Okay, for the record, are you with me? And so, and so we risk now making the name of God look bad because we are ineffective in having impact. Come on, say amen. There used to be a time when the name of God meant something. There used to be a time when we would go out and say, thus said the Lord, we would see change, we would see impact, we would see things happen. But just like this disciple, these disciples, the man says, I brought my son to your disciples, and you, they could not have done it. Now, what's striking about the text, if you read chapter 6 of some of the previous chapters, Jesus did give his disciples power and authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and he sent them out two by two to be able to do this deed. So in the, the disciples, they had the authority, they had the power, but in this position, this situation, they found themselves helpless. Look at verse 19. Jesus is kind of ticked. Oh, unbelieving generation, he replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? And then Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Come on, say unbelieving. unbelieving. Say it again, say unbelieving. unbelieving. Now, I wrestled, I, wrestled, I wrestled with verse 19 for quite some time because I wondered, could Jesus have been going off on his disciples while at the same time going off on the crowd? Because when you look at that word unbelieving, it's, it's the Greek word apistis, and what it means is not to believe. And on a deeper sense, it also means to not to be a part of the believing community. Are you with me? So let me tell you what that means. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you know, bunch of unsaved people. It's almost as if he's saying that, okay? A bunch of unchurched people, what will it take to make you or to enable you, to empower you to be a part of the community of faith? Here I am, I've been doing the miraculous, and you're still not believing. This is the, the, the crowd and the Pharisees that were there. And I think to some extent, he's saying the same thing to the disciples to say to them, there is something wrong with your belief system. Are you with me? There is something wrong with your belief system. And I'm being very cautious in how I say this because I don't want any person to walk out of here saying that pastor said they didn't have enough faith. Are you with me? Okay? Uh, because here's what we do when miracles don't happen and, and, and as opposed to us owning the miracle or, 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 or us owning the, the, the fact that the thing didn't happen because of us, we want to put it on the person and saying they don't have enough faith. Are you with me? Because if you had faith, you, you, you'd have been healed. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to have an unsafe person having faith in the first place. Okay, but, but let me retract. But I think to some extent, he is saying to his disciples, there is something wrong with your belief system such that you are incapable of performing this miracle. So he says, oh, unbelieving generation, little faith or without faith. And then Jesus says, bring the boy to me. Okay, so now let's go to work. Look at this, verse 20. So they brought the boy to him. Look at the next phrase. You guys at verse 20? I need everybody to look at that. You at verse 20? When the Spirit saw Jesus. Come on, say, when the Spirit saw Jesus. Say it again. Say, when the Spirit saw Jesus. Watch this. 
It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground. He rolled around and started foaming at the mouth. If I'm in the crowd, at that point, I'm gone. <laughs> but, but there's a critical point here. The demon encountered the disciples, and there was no effect. Jesus shows up, and the demon sees Jesus, and without Jesus doing anything, the demon starts to trip. Here's a quick test. Before you go trying to drive out demon, demons, check the demon's reaction in your presence. Let me bring it closer to home. If you show up and they still cussing like you're not there. <laughs> if you show up and they still acting all crazy like you're not there, you might just want to check to see if Jesus is on the inside. Or you might just want to check to see, here's the word I'm going to use, are you flowing in the spirit or is there something wrong with your belief system? These were men that were called by God, that were empowered, that were authorized to deal with the demonic, to deal with the sick, to deal with all this stuff. Yet and still they showed up and the demon act like, when y'all are done, let me know. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and by the fear fact that he showed up, his presence was enough to cause impact without him saying a single word. Oh, come on with me, y'all. I know somebody in here remembered the day when the wino would pass by the church and they would put the bottle up. Come on. I know somebody in here remembers the day when you would name the name of God and people on the outside would respect you because you are a Christian. I know somebody in here remembers the day. Come on, don't act like you don't. Remember the time. But like I said, the longer we've been saved, the more complacent we become and the less impact we have. <laughs> Are you with me? No different than that friend that would come around you and speak called vulgar and then apologize when you said you were Christ, but name the name of Christ. But over time, they get so comfortable, they forget you're even there. <laughs> Whew. I think we have the disciples' problem, don't we? Can we be honest with ourselves this morning? Can we be honest and state? So, so if, if dad were to bring his boy, I'm not sure that we'd be able to heal him. I'm not sure that we'd be able to deliver him because of our own complacency. Are you with me? Jesus says, bring the boy to him. And verse 20 the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, critical statement, how long has he been like this? And listen to that. From childhood he answered, look at 22, it had often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. And then watch this. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. 23A, if you can. Dude, you know who I am. 
didn't you just notice the demon's reaction in my presence? What do you mean, if I can? Those are critical words. Those are critical words because if you dig deeper into the word, the word can uh, kind of plays with the word ability. So in other words, what he's saying, if you have the ability to do this, listen to this, because the people who were authorized by you should have the same ability you have. <laughs> and then I noticed that they named your name and nothing happened. So it's proof to me that they don't have the ability. So I'm assuming since you sent them, you might not have the ability either. This is important. This is important because what's happening now is the father's faith has been impacted based on the disciples who named the name of Christ's ability because the disciples could not do what God sent them to do. Caution, people. The world isn't coming to Christ, no, not so much because of God, but because of what they're not seeing us do. Can we be honest with ourselves? If you were to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, you'd hear this, that they, no one had need. They, they saw what they had. They were having impact, this New Testament church. And it says, and everyone was filled with awe because of what the disciples were doing in that time. Be cautious or be careful not to allow your faith or your walk with God to prevent somebody else from coming to a relationship with God. Are you with me? Come on, is this making sense? Okay. If you can, look at this, look at this. If, 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 if you can. And then look at this crazy verse, verse 23. Jesus said, everything is possible for him who what? Critical. He did not say everything is possible for me. Didn't say that. Unbelieving generation, he said. How long shall I put up with you? And then the father says, if you have, and the word dunamai is there, if you have the power, if you have the ability, if you have the capacity or the capability to hear my, to hear my son, why don't you do it? And Jesus said, listen, you really don't need me. All you need is a true believer. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Everything is possible for him who believes. Careful. Watch daddy's statement, and I'm almost done. Okay? Watch daddy's statement. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my what? One more time. I do believe. Help me overcome my what? Crazy statement. I want you all to watch one more time. Watch my time. One more time. Verse 19. Unbelieving generation, he replied. Verse 23. Everything is possible for him who believes. Verse 24. Daddy, I do believe. Help me to overcome my what? I believe Jesus because... I was in the last town where I saw your disciples, 
heal. And I was at the last place where I saw them cast out demons. And I was at the last place where I saw them do the miraculous. And I was at the last place where I saw them do this in your name. So I know it can be done. I do believe it can be done. So, so here's it. Watch this carefully. So here's what I need you to do for me, Jesus. Since you say believers have the capacity to do this, help me to become one. Somebody just missed that. Because watch this, watch this. If you can help me with my unbelief, within me, I will have the capacity to heal. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. And I won't have to bother you. Come on, come on. You, you, are you with me? So help me to stop being an unbeliever so I too can become a believer. Lord, have mercy. Here's how Jesus says it on one occasion. Never have I seen such faith in all of Israel. It's amazing when you reveal this to people how they see it. Preacher, how you come up with this word. That word unbelief, epistles is the same word. It has to do with being outside the community of faith. Believers in the New Testament context were Christians. Come on, y'all. So, Lord, help me to stop being outside the community of faith, so I can handle my business at home. Because believers have impact. <laughs> and, and there's something wrong with your fellas right now that, that, that I think I can fix this and I can handle it because I understand what's going. So help me with my unbelief. Unbelief and Christianity are not synonymous terms. Okay, because I've heard this message preached before, and the believers are saying, I believe, but help me with the fact that I don't believe enough. Text is not saying that. Here's how James put it. A double-minded person is what? Unstable in all he does. Here's how Peter puts it. A house divided against itself can't... Oh, come on, y'all know this quite well. So either you believe or you yeah, 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 yeah. And, and his disciples were believers, but something was wrong. And I believe what was wrong with the disciples, they had been doing it so long, they got used to doing it by themselves. So Jesus, help me become a believer. Then I won't bother you no more. Imagine if when the world encounters us, they say that. Help me. To walk like you walk. Help me to talk like you talk. Help me to live life like you live life, such that when you show up, demons tremble. Help me to become a believer so I can have that kind of impact. Wow. Imagine that, right? Let me, let me, let me get to where I want to land. Verse 30, 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter again. <laughs> the spirit got the manifest and boy, the spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. Don't you like that? Amen. It came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that he said, 
Then many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Party ended. Disciples now, tails tucked between legs, head down, feeling dejected. They're walking away with Jesus. Nobody's saying nothing because they're embarrassed. <laughs> Just like I would be. Come on, y'all. Just like you would be. We're all shamed at this point, okay? So look at 28. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciple asked him privately, Hey, G, how come we couldn't drive it out? 29. He replied, this kind can come out. Only by what? <laughs> wow. Wow. An effective prayer life empowers the Christian to have major impact on their community. I'll tell you what I mean by that. An effective prayer life can empower the Christian or believer to have major impact on the community. In short, if you were to read the pretext to this, Luke has a beautiful rendition of this, and it kind of puts it this way. Prior to this, Jesus had just went to the Mount of Transfiguration. Are you with me? And y'all know this quite well. It's in verses 1 all the way down to 13. On that mountain, he was in such deep prayer, such deep intercession, such communication with God, and the prayer meeting was so good that Elijah and Moses showed up, and they showed up, and they were encouraging him in his destiny. Come on, Jesus, you can make it to Calvary, and, and a cloud filled, and, and, and the scripture says in Luke's rendition that heaven opened up, and God himself said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so now he comes down from the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Lock into this. And mind you now, they are prayed up because they've been praying this whole time. Are you with me? And then they come down and they encountered the other nine disciples arguing with the scribes and Pharisees. Problem number one. <laughs> if you've got to convince the world that Christ is in you, you got a whole other problem going on. Come on, say amen. Your lifestyle should be indicative of whose you are. He comes down, and then he performs the miracles, and then listen to this. This is almost, it sounds like this. His disciple says, hey, Jesus, how come we couldn't do it? And Jesus says, because you guys weren't prayed up. Not that you didn't pray. You weren't prayed up. There's a difference. Because every person in here prays from time to time. There is difference between praying and being a person of prayer. <laughs> when Katani and I were going through difficulty in our marriage, we became people of prayer. 
I mean, I'd go to her job and we'd pray. She'd kind of mind, we'd pray. We were just so dedicated to prayer that God restored us, God brought us out because that's who we were. Three times a day just wasn't enough. But the longer we stay married, the more that diminishes. And then we find ourselves in these arguments and we can't cast out the this kind from each other because we want to do a spot prayer. And Jesus is saying, this kind spot prayers won't work. And the reason the church is ineffective today is because we're good at spot praying. The reason our homes are jacked up is because we're good at spot praying. We only pray in the crisis. We only pray in the middle of the circumstance. When all is well, we don't pray, we don't seek God, we don't do nothing. But the moment you have any, any, anything that surfaces, we want to fall on our knees and beseech God. And then when it don't work and we can't cast it out, we want to blame God. This kind. Spot prayer. Let's dig deeper. Look at the text. He replied, verse 29, this kind comes out only by what? Prayer. Now, I'm, 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 I'm the guy that likes to go to the next level, this kind. What is this kind? That word, yenos, is the Greek word, and it's a generational word, okay? What it speaks to is a type of or a class of or a generation of. Are you with me? Okay. So there are certain demonic influences that Jesus says. If you want to have impact, prayer needs to be who you are, not what you do. Make sense? Are you guys tracking with me? So watch this. When Jesus encounters the demon, okay, what verse is that? Um, verse 21. Verse 20, look at 20. When, when they brought, so they brought him, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy to the ground, convulsed, he fell to the ground, he rolled around foaming at the mouth. 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? The man's answer is critical. From what? This has been a lifelong generational thing that has been on this boy. This is not a spot sin. There's a difference between praying when he or she says they're going to leave you. And there's a difference praying for deliverance from something that's part of who you are. Big difference. Are you with me? And so here's what we do. We get good at dealing with the spot things. My husband's gone. Baby, pray, get over him, and you get over it. That was a spot thing. You weren't born with that. Pornography is in your genes. 
Lying is in your genes. <laughs> Addictions are in your, come on, are you with me? How long they been like that? From birth. You mean I just can't conjure up in the name of Jesus? No. <laughs> no. You've got to be, you've had to come down from the mountain after seeing Moses and Elijah after spending time. Come on, I wish I had somebody in here in the presence of God because that type of demon requires a different level of a walk with God. And the reason the church is ineffective in dealing with the real issues that our culture is facing is we're treating it like spot sins. Man, I, 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 Katana and I flew all day Friday, so a lot of airports. And I watched parents with little bitty babies, with phones and computers, and doing all that stuff, listen to me, from birth. Their sin is going to be a lot different than yours and mine's today. Because they've been doing it a lot longer. It's going to be a lot more difficult to reach them. Come on, is this making sense, guys? We're going to have to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm trying to say to you, by the word of the Lord, it's going to require for people to become people of prayer, not people who pray. Big difference. Big difference. When Daniel was about to be thrown in the lion's den, Daniel didn't say, hold up before you throw me in. Let me hit a spot real quick. He says, do what you got to do. I'm already hooked up. <laughs> Are you with me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were about to go into that fiery furnace, they didn't have to stop and say, let me do a spot. I wish I had somebody in here. They were people of prayer, and so they had impact because that is who they are. Restoration Christian Fellowship, I need you to hear me. If we are going to have impact the way God intends for us to have impact, we are going to have to become people of prayer because this kind that we're dealing with are not spot issues. These are ingrown generational issues. You've got folk that can't put the pipe down. You've got people that are still getting highs. You've got people strung on addiction and sexuality and all kinds of crazy stuff. This kind is going to require a different level of prayer. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. That child that you've been trying to reach and you can't reach, he's got stuff in him that's been there from birth. That's that daughter that you've been trying to reach. Come on, I want you to hear me. They've got stuff in them that's been there. So stopping every now and then, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord. That's not going to help you with this kind. I wish I had somebody in here. That's not going to help you with this kind of demon. You've got to become, we must become a church that besieges God. Everything we do is prayer. Every time we meet, it's prayer. When we come out to prayer, this place ought to be filled because of the kind that we're dealing with. 
This kind. Are you with me? This kind. And I like the healing, and I'm going to stop here, is that when Jesus cast the demon out, he broke the generational curse because listen to what he says, never return. Ah. Ah. Never return again. There are things in my family, there's things in your family, there's things in our community that we need to start beseeching God on. And we need to be able to say, never return again. But a spot prayer, baby, will not do it. Every elder ought to be a prayer warrior. Every pastor ought to be a prayer warrior. Every minister ought to be a prayer warrior. Every member, every lay person ought to be a prayer warrior such that when demons walk by sixth and this block, whew, I don't know what's going on in that place because they encounter the presence of Jesus. Are you hearing me? That is another level of anointing. When the presence of God just emanates from you just emanates. Come on, say this kind. Say it again. Say this kind. We are dealing with some generational stuff. Are you hearing me? This is stuff that's inbred in kids. True story. I have a brother that's raising two boys. Went through a tough separation, tough divorce, and they're raising these boys by himself. Mom over here, dad over here. These kids live on an iPad or a laptop. Live. One day my brother and I had a candid conversation. Hey, dude, you know that's a window for the enemy to come in, right? Didn't pay me much mind. A few months later he called. Man, my 10-year-old is hooked on pornography. this kind. This kind. This is how serious it is, people. This is how serious it is. The enemy has infiltrated the camp. And they're attacking our young people at a very early age. And we try to get them healed when they're 15, 16, 17 with a spot prayer. Now, baby, how long has he been like this or she been like this? Since birth, you just hadn't seen it. <laughs> this kind. This kind. This kind. Are you hearing me? I am praying for a praying church. And I'll be talking about this for a little while because I want my home to be better. So I want to become a praying man. Tanya and I recommitted ourselves before she went in the water with the sharks. And <laughs> she did. We're going to pray, right? <laughs> but we recommitted ourselves to be people of prayer. We're asking you to join us. Let's be, amen, amen, amen. We want to have impact. We want to have impact. We don't want demons asking us, who are you? 
We, we, we don't want to have to say, God, why isn't it working? Come on. Because homes are falling apart. Marriages are being broken up. Come on, all kinds of stuff is going out, and, and the church is not having impact. We want to have impact. And, and we know what we're up against. We know what this kind is, and we need to start being people of prayer. So I want to invite you just to join us as we pray. Amen? That God would just begin to move and have his way. Come on, bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. And as the worship team makes their way on the platform this morning, I want to begin by just asking you to take a moment just to search your heart. And today's message is going to call for a response of rededication. And for some, it's going to be, I believe, I know you can, but it's helped me with the unbelief. Let me be part of the community of faith. So, Holy Spirit, God, as your word has gone forth this morning, God, touch hearts. Speak to every person that's here, Lord. Draw us closer to you, God. Forgive us. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for relying on talents and abilities, strengths, gifts. Draw us back to becoming a church of prayer. A people who pray, God. A people who seek your face. Your word teaches us in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Heal our land, God. Heal our homes. Heal our nation. You're a mighty God, Lord. We're tired of asking you, why can't we do it? Like that faithless dad. Help me with my unbelief, God. Here is an outsider seeing what it takes to turn things around. Have your way, God. Kindle the flame in us, God. Stir it up again that we wake up and just put it you first in our lives. Give our lives to you, God. In your name. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope that you can find a way to impact the community around you through this church or a local church around you. We also encourage you to find a church to get connected to, whether that's here at RCF or somewhere close to you. If you want to find out more about RCF, visit rcfministries.org or watch us live on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on the RCF Network. Thanks for listening.